0: I've been looking for you for eight months. Whenever I should have had a gun in my right hand, I thought of you. Now
1: I find you in exactly the position that suits me. I had lots of time to learn how to shoot with my left.
0: When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. So, what's going on with you guys?
1: Not too much. I'm just opening my. I've been waiting for this to come in the mail, so let's hope it's in. Uh, it's in decent shape here. Let's see. Let's see. It looks like it's. Ooh, it's double boarded. Fancy. Let's see how we how we look. Ooh, it looks like it's in pretty decent shape. See any missing panels or coupons or Yeah, this is here we go. here's here's what we got.
0: Batman and Sergeant Rock, Brave and the Bold number eighty four. Oh. Yeah. It looks you know, it looks a little beat up, but not terrible. A little
1: bit, but not bad. What the hidden pretty. Um I forget. I think this one was eight and change, shipping included, so not, not too bad. Oh, that's... You know, I, I,
0: I've I, I've done my best to do, you know, every, everything on the cheap, but, you know, sometimes you got to come
1: up a little. Well, at this point, I lack one issue um, to have all of... I already have all of the Jim Aparo issues of Brave and the Bold. Actually, I think I have, at this point, I have all Jim Aparo Batman, I think. Um... But anyway, all all Jim pero Brave and the Bold. But I lack one issue now to have all of the Neil Adams as well. And those are the only ones I'm really interested in, is the Neil Adams and the Jim Aparo. So I need a a, number 93, Batman and uh, House of Mystery, that uh, Neil Adams one, which for some reason is stupid expensive. I cannot seem to put a hand to that one. Not on a cheap.
0: I I don't have... Those particular ones on my want list, although if I saw those, are books where if I see them on the cheap, I pick them up and add them to my collection anyway. But they're not on my want list. Um, I I just recently like I spent some time in the last week just kind of reorganizing a little because I had a bunch of books that I've picked up in the last say six months, and then the, the downside to doing the alphabetical order thing is. If you fill up a box and you have too much for it, now now <laughs> that spills over to every box after it, you know, and you have to kind of rearrange everything.
1: So what's what's the alternate though? What's the, the alternate is you have that? a
0: box specifically for a series or whatever, and then you know you can you know you could just add a box in between if you needed to, but it's you know that, it's it, I do nice. like the alphabetical order. It does make it a little better.
1: That's uh, how I've always always done <laughs> But I do have them yeah.
0: broken up by company, too, though. I have Marvel, Alphabetical Order, DC, Alphabetical Order, and then I only have one short box of books that are neither. I mean, the large majority of my collection is Marvel. Um, I think I'm now at 62 short boxes, give or take. Damn. And of those 62, I think 46 of them are Marvel. You know, yeah. But even even that, what does what what does that work out to? It's it's not as big a deal as as it sounds. Uh, you should get
1: uh, you should get that CLZ app. I have so You it. can track your car. Oh, you it, have it. it. I have
0: it. I'm just looking. Do you have everything. I'm in? looking to it now. According to this, uh, and this would include my Treasury editions and my. Uh, magazine-sized comics, you know, Planet of the Apes or Hulk or whatever. I have 6,980 books right now in my collection. So it's not quite as, you know, you hear that number of, of long boxes and you think it's more.
1: Right. Still respectable.
0: And now... It's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! What's in the
1: box?
0: To the bins. I got
1: nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else. To go. I got
0: nothing else. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro. That's Scott Gardner, and today we're just talking comic collecting. Nothing on the agenda except for a little talk. So, uh,
1: what's new, Scott? Not too awful much, uh, you know, as we were just talking before we hit the record button here, uh, just kind of comparing notes on, you know, what we're doing these days as far as, uh, collecting. I, uh, man, I've been just a, a, a comics buying fool this past, this whole past year, really, but what it is is, I mean, you know, I, I did that big culling project of mine a while back and. uh. Very slowly, I've been going through the call of comics and, and putting them up for sale, um, mostly these days on Facebook Marketplace because I seem to be doing pretty well with that and frankly I'm just I'm sick of eBay and the bullshit with you know the stupid people that are on there that you know there's so many scammers on there, you know mm-hmm. but also eBay itself, you know they're just raking you over the coals with the fees these days, you know fees on everything and they've been, in my opinion, they've been very deceptive about, you know, what things are supposed to cost and all that, you know, what the fees are supposed to be, because, you know, I can do math, so I've sat down, and I've done the math, and I'm like, okay, you say that you're charging such and such percent, but when I do the math, you're actually charging way above that kind of thing, so I'm I'm sick of it at this point and you know I'm not looking to get rich I'm not looking to screw anybody over I like to sell things cheap because I like things to move you know I don't want it to sit there forever yeah you know I could probably get more money out of it in the long run but I just want to get you know make space and get rid of things so you know trying to sell cheap and eBay just are not you know, they're not compatible these days because with the fees that they charge and everything, if you sell something cheap, then you're practically giving it away. Well, you should probably do what anyway. like
0: some of the really jerky people do on eBay. And, you know, this book is $1.99, but shipping is $16. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, yeah, I don't I don't go for that, you know. But at the same rate, you know, I mean, while I totally do not agree with that, at the same rate, you can't actually afford these days with eBay to charge what the what the shipping actually costs, because now eBay charges you a fee for the shipping cost as well. So it's not just charging you a fee for what the item sells for; it's the item what the item sells for plus the shipping you've charged is what you know they're lumping it all together, mm. and that's ridiculous to me. You know, so you're you're actually paying a fee on the shipping. So if you charged exactly what it costs you to send that item, you know, however you send it, say, you know, I send a lot of my stuff media mail, which I know a lot of our listeners are like, ooh, you know, people hate media mail, but, you know, again, selling cheap. So, media mail these days for one comic is $3.49. Now, that's not taking into account the package you're sending it in, the tape, the gas money, any of that shit that's just strictly the postage. If you charge three forty nine for the postage on that media mail that one comic, you're losing money because eBay is charging you a fee on that three dollars and forty nine cents. And that to me is flat friggin' ridiculous. So I'm I'm done with that, you know? The things that I have listed there right now, I'm I'm just leaving them until whatever, you know, they sell or I you know whatever I close my account, whatever happens. But I'm I'm pretty much done selling on eBay. So I've gone with the Facebook marketplace and been doing pretty well with that. And so with the money I'm making from that, turning around and really just trying to do two things. I'm you know, I'm always trying to fill in holes and everything, but also, you know, I, I wanted to replace um, well you know I, we've talked many times about you know how I wanted to replace all my old coverless comics and I've pretty much done that. I don't think I have anything coverless anymore in my collection. I'm pretty sure I, I completed that project. So then it was a matter of okay, do I have anything that's like really super ratty because condition doesn't matter to me too much, but I, you know I want things to be complete I, you know I want them to be in a you know in good condition anyway you know so anything that was like super ratty, you know, I, I took note of that, and uh, so I've been trying to do that. You know, replace ones that are just you know, in in lesser condition or whatever. And again, you know, just filling in holes and trying not to try not to start any new collecting projects. Although I did kind of get on a kick recently with um, JSA appearances because <laughs> it occurred to me that. I was looking at something, I can't remember what it was, I think it was, something Something made me go back and look at, like, the crime syndicate, and realizing the crime syndicate really didn't have that many appearances, pre-crisis, Right. and realizing that, you know, if I went back and bought their two original um, issues of Justice League when they first appeared, I forget what issues those are, they're like in the 40s or 50s of Justice League of America, um, if I bought those two issues, then I'd actually have every appearance of the crime syndicate. So I went back, and I found them, and they were really cheap, and I bought them. And then that lit a fire to start collecting all of the JSA, um, JLA team-ups. And I realized I I didn't really lack very many of them, and most of them were two-parters. And almost all of them, I had one part of the two-parters, and the ones that I didn't have like the complete set. So at this point, I think the only one I lack is issue twenty-one, which is the very first one, and that one's that yeah, that's going to be
0: expensive. expensive.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the one where you've got um, the JLA are doing. They look like they're doing a seance. They're right, all holding right. hands, and you've got the the JSA is like in the clouds above them. You know, they're did yeah, we cover really, that one? Didn't we do a, a focus or a spotlight issue or a score? You know. I, I don't know if we did. I, I, if we did, I totally don't remember it. But, you know, it's funny you asked me that because I was actually thinking about pitching the idea to you and see what you thought about us doing that. About, you know, because I know you and I are both big fans of, of the JSA. As a matter of fact, this episode was, was you know, began life where we were going to cover a random issue of JSA that you had picked. And, by the way... Um, you know I love you, but I'm gonna just—I gotta call a spade a spade. You're a bastard. How you so? really are, because you got me started on—you know—I don't need another reading project.
0: Oh, you—you—you you, you cannot go there. You—what—what what, uh, what reading project did I give you? JSA?
1: Well, yeah, Mister. The, mister.
0: Let me get Paul hooked on buying Planet of the Apes magazines <laughs> and and rampaging Hulk magazines. Is—is that—is that who's complaining here?
1: Yeah, I guess that's 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 a fair point. And but you know what? Already, I'm
0: finding it's a bitch to find those magazines in the comic stores.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, tell me about it. Because I, at this point, I lack three issues. I think for Planet of the Apes, and I refuse. I'm not going. I'm not spending more than ten dollars a piece for those. I've, I've managed to all the issues I've acquired so far. I've managed not to spend more than dollars on any single... Actually, with all of the magazines, because you know I've been on a Marvel magazine kick, um, there's not one of those I've spent more than 10 bucks on. And I'm pretty proud of that, because I've done really good, because I, I seem to have latched onto that just in time, because as soon as I acquired, like... There's one that's like... I don't think they team up, but there's Blade and Morbius on the cover of one of those monster books. It's like Legion of Monsters or something. I forget what the, what the thing is. But as soon as I got that issue and I found it on the cheap, that issue has blown up now. So, like, crazy. And, like, Monsters Unleashed, I finally have a complete run of that. And those are stupid expensive now, too, because you've got um, Man-Thing stuff just blew up with uh, that Werewolf by Night one-shot. Right, right. That's you special. Did you watch that,
0: by the way? I did. I did, and and we haven't discussed it at all. So uh, I'm curious what your thoughts were.
1: I liked it. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I, you know, I'm not super knowledgeable on on you know the whole monster thing. I mean, I like what I like. You know, i I love the Frankenstein's monster. Um, you know, I'm I'm passingly familiar with Werewolf by Night. You know, I haven't done a huge read. You know, I haven't read a whole lot of issues of it. Werewolf um, by exactly. Night is one of my
0: uh, one of my want list projects. I have. What, what, what do I have? I'm just trying to see how many. It, doesn't it tell me how many I have? Oh, I have eighteen of eighteen books out of I think forty three. So I have. What, a lot what is to that? Go. The werewolf. Werewolf
1: by Night. Yeah, you now you got me curious because I know I have some, but I don't think I have that many of them.
0: Well, the earliest by, one I have is number
1: two. Is this my walk list or my. I don't know what the hell I'm in here. I'm old and I'm technology challenged. Yeah, join Let's the club, see. my friend. I have 16 issues. How yes. many did you say you
0: had? 18. You beat. Yeah, so got I have your beat, beat. But do you have, a, <laughs> you have a number one? I do not. That's. I, I have I, a number two.
1: I found that number one for a dollar. When I went to visit my niece uh, a couple years back, I'll give you. I'll give you
0: fifty percent profit.
1: I will give you a dollar fifty for it. (laughs) Hmm, Let me mull that over.
0: (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and and you know, I think uh, like number two, I purchased not that long ago. Let's say within the last year and a half, uh, and I probably bought it for under ten dollars. So, you know, like I'm, I'm still looking for stuff on the cheap. It's, it's funny that that I well, when I go to the store to buy books, a lot of times I won't even pay for these books that I really want that are 40 years old. And I won't even pay what they charge for a new book now. You know, right, right. But, but it's, you know, it's it's the thrill of the chase to me sometimes. And it's, it's something that, you know, I think I've had this conversation before where I mentioned, you know, my wife is very supportive of the habit. And when she's been in a comic store with me, and I have my want list with me, and I'm going through the bins, and I'll see something on my list that I think I should find for say two or three dollars, and I pull it out of the out of the bin, and I look at it, and it's like six dollars, so I put it back. And she's like, "Why are you putting that back?" And I said, "Because it's too much money." She says, "It's six dollars. So you have six dollars. Go buy the book if you want it." I said, "No, that's not how this works." <laughs> The whole idea oh, is, well, if, if I, expect- if, you know, even if I hit the, the you know, the the Mega Millions or the, the Powerball, whatever it was, that was a billion dollars, I still don't want to overpay for my comics. I want to get them at the right prices. Right. It's not no, a matter no, of I, having I, the, I, the financial wherewithal to do it. It's a matter of the hobby is, part of the hobby
1: is the search. Yep. I completely agree. I completely agree. Because I, I was looking at something the other day where, uh, I have several collections now where I'm like one, two, three issues away. And it is tempting, you know, when you go on to whatever, you know, a, a comic shop online, you know, eBay, Facebook Marketplace, whatever, and you find it. And it's tempting to just go, oh, screw it. I need it. This a complete the collection. But I do feel like that's cheating, you know, if it's not at that sweet spot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had exactly
0: uh, this conversation. Uh, By the time this airs, I'll have posted it on our feed. Uh, I recently was, uh, I really enjoyed actually being invited by the Comic Geek Speak guys to be on their show. Uh, And one of the things I mentioned, we were talking about uh, Submarina issues. And I said, I'm I'm now one issue away from completing that series, issue number nine. I said, and you know what's going to happen. I'm going to see it somewhere for double what I want to pay for it. And I'm going to say, ah, screw it. It's the only one I need. I'm going to pay for it and I'm going to buy it. And then as soon as I buy it, I'll see it a week later for exactly the price I wanted it for.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've, had, I've had, definitely had that conversation before. It's it's one of those laws of comics. You know, it's like... Uh, you know, what's the, the law there, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong, <laughs> Yeah, yeah uh, I forget that. The Murphy's Law. Mur- Murphy's Law, yeah, well, I, I think that's the Murphy's Law of comics, is that the minute that you cave and you spend more than you should have for the comic, just to, con- you know, for the convenience of, okay, I've completed this collection, that's when you find it on the cheap, you know. And yeah. I have had that happen many times, so I yeah, I, I hold out one day. I have two, but every once in a while
0: it's worked in my, it, it's worked out. I, I can tell you uh, one of the books, and I still haven't completed the series, but one of the books I've always wanted, I love the cover of it, and I always wanted to get a hold of was Marvel Premiere number 1, which features Warlock. On the cover it's, it shows him, and then behind him you see Thor and the Hulk. Uh, and I had never, not once, seen it for sale anywhere. And I was in the local store and they had it and it must have been left by somebody in the sun cuz the cover was kind of bleached but they were kind of asking you know the, the price that you'd ask for or close to the price you'd ask for if it wasn't and i just <laughs> i just couldn't bring myself to walk away from it and i ended up buying it but i still haven't seen it anywhere else for
1: sale ever so i'm kind of glad a- i have a- it is that a Gil Kane cover yes. on that? Yes, it is. That's the one where he looks kind of Shazam-like on the cover, right? Yes. The, like the lightning bolt shirt and all that? Or, you know, jump, jumper or whatever it's supposed to be? Yeah,
0: yeah it's, it's basically it's the first issue where they change him from him to Warlock.
1: Ah, uh, okay. I know, I've, I know I've read it, because I did a, a Warlock read-through not long ago. Um... Who's who's on the interior in that? Is that a is that a Stalin?
0: No, so it's it's, a, it's also a Gil Kane. Oh, that's, Gil
1: Kane. In, in that's time? that's
0: that predates Starlin on Warlock, and it was Roy Thomas re uh, reimagining the character uh, and basically turning him into a Christ figure, really. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, really heavy handedly turning him into a Christ figure, which eventually <laughs> uh, wound up in uh, Hulk one seventy eight, I think. With him being uh, essentially crucified and resurrected, so I mean it, it hmm. couldn't it couldn't have been more more of a heavy, uh, you know, high evolutionary is effectively God the Father, and he sends his only Son down to counter Earth, to to fix what's down there. I mean it it really is so blatant. I mean there's, there's no effort to hide what it is at all, uh, but I still get a kick out of it. Then Jim Starlin came after they finished that, and he totally reimagined the character as basically what he's become ever since. They catch any hell for doing that sort of thing? I never saw anything where they were criticized for it, honestly. I, I, I can huh. honestly say I've never seen any kind of in-depth discussions. Uh, I think it would be pretty cool to see an article on that in Back Issue. Have they not covered that? I don't know. You know... I love Back Issue, and I have almost all of them, but some of them I just, you know, like, they're in my to-read list, and and I still cool. haven't
1: gotten to so many of them. I need to, I need to put that back in my reading queue, because I, I took it out a while ago just to, you know, because it takes a while to read one, you know, because they're meaty and all, and that's not a criticism. I mean, I like that they're a meaty read and all, but I, I wanted to burn through more of my other reading projects, you know, quickly, but the problem is I just keep adding reading projects, and that gets me back to where I was saying you are a bastard, because I've been wanting to do a, a reread of, uh, of uh, you know, JSA and Starman and, uh, you know, several other books that, you know, that I love, that I read, you know, years ago, and, and just been, you know, itching to kind of reread them, and then you had picked a, a random issue of JSA for, I think it was for our Black Adam uh, score episode that we were doing. Our aborted
0: Black Adam score episode. Right. <laughs> that turned into the Black Adam commentary.
1: So I, right. So I I read that issue, and as soon as I read it, it, it just lit a fire. because, For one, I love the issue, but also it was one of those, like, Man, I don't remember half the stuff. You know, what what was going on here? And so I was looking at, like, the next issue and then the, you know, the issue before it and everything. And the next thing I know, is like, I looked back at issue one, and then it was, that was it. As soon as I looked back at issue one and started reading that, the next thing I knew, I was reading the whole series, so... And then I started dragging in, you know, uh, periphery titles, you know, into it. So, yeah, it just, it's blown up into this huge thing. So, yeah, thanks. Now I've got this (laughs) this mammoth reading project. But I'm having a blast. I mean, I cannot believe how much I forgot about a series that I consider one of my favorites. There's just so much that happens in it that I completely forgot, you know, it was even a thing. But. I think that series, JSA, is just, I mean, it's its a textbook example of how to write a, a comic. I've um, read because, that
0: series in fits and starts, and a lot of it is, a lot of what I read was taking out trades from the library of the different storylines that they did uh, right. and, and taking them with me on vacations and, and, you know, at night when I'm sitting there and I'm tired or, or in the morning when I get up and nobody else in my family is up yet, uh, I get a chance to sit and read them. And I've read the stories in not chronological or consecutive order, but I can honestly say, and I don't know what percentage of the series I've read, to be honest, uh, but I can honestly say I don't think I've ever read one that I walked away unsatisfied from. Right.
1: That is yeah, it's, a it's really a, good series. I mean, he, he just you know the writers on that just knew, and it was primarily it was Jeff Johns, although there were other writers that dropped in and in and out in the early you know part of that title. Um, but they just knew how to not only to pace the book and pace the stories and everything, but just did a a, a really great job of progressing subplots often multiple subplots you know b stories that were going to play out later type of thing and then also just juggling a mammoth cast i mean cuz there were so many characters but and everybody doing, gets their doing as good a job with the
0: uh, you know the the, the the children of the jsa and the you know the the different characters that they came up with to keep youth and age mixed together Uh, better than any other legacy character that I can think of off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I've been having a blast rereading it. and And Now uh, now
0: I I really have to
1: catch myself up on the Stargirl TV
0: show, which I watched the first season, Loved. We did uh, two episodes, I think, on it. Uh, And I haven't watched season two or three. I know it's canceled after three. But... I really thought that that series captured the same type of
1: writing feel. Especially in the second season. The first season, um, I watched it and I liked it. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I could see... Because I tried to get my missus to watch it with me, and I really thought that she would enjoy it, and she didn't. And her criticism was that it just felt too cw you know it felt like you know one of you know the, one of those teen you know aimed at teenage girl type of shows right and i could see that with the first season but the the second season seemed to kind of get its shit together a little bit better and it was straight up superhero uh drama
0: and i'm gonna i'm gonna take I, I, issue with with and you know you know how highly i hold your wife in regard i don't don't ever tell her i disagree <laughs> with her on anything But uh, I'm going to take issue with that because, yes, I could see where it is geared to make teenage girls like it. But I view it in the way – I'm trying to think of what I can give you as far as an analogy. Maybe like a Pixar cartoon. It's aimed at children, but adults can really, really enjoy them. Uh, That may be be aimed at TV – excuse me, at teenage girls. But I think anybody can anybody who likes comics can enjoy it. I don't think it's you know it's not uh, you know the TV version of Millie the Model. It's you know it's a a quality superhero show. I think the only reason it's aimed at teenage girls is because the primary character is a teenage girl, so it gives them the point of view character to relate to. But the story and I again I only watched the first season, but the story was very solid. There were characters. That you could, you know, kind of relate to and understand, and 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 they they felt, you know, fully fleshed out. Uh, I thought I thought the first season was really good. So if this, if you're telling me the second season was better, that that makes me really look forward to it.
1: Yeah, I, I really really enjoyed the second season a, a lot better. And and that's not to say I didn't enjoy the first because I did. I really enjoyed the first one, but the the second one was kind of that sweet spot because. Um. You know, I, I don't want to give anything away, but I mean, there's just there's a moment towards the end of the second season where basically the entire team is assembled uh, to to deal with the threat, and it's just it was glorious. You know, to see images in live action of characters I never expected would would make the transition to live action because yep. they're so obscure. You know, like Thunderbolt. You know, I mean, who imagined that Thunderbolt would ever you know, make it to live action, you know, and and stuff like that, so I mean, it was, it was exciting, it was good stuff, I started watching the third season, I'm not sure how many episodes in I was, Um, with that one though, because I couldn't binge it, um, it kind of fell to the back burner, but I, I, I definitely will be watching it, I liked what I had seen so far, I think I was maybe two, two or three episodes into it, I forget, but. I had to watch it like an animal, you know. I had to watch it with the commercials <laughs> and all that, and I, I hate that. I, I can just be able to, to burn right through them, you know.
0: Well, but, I, uh, I'll give you something else that uh, my wife and I have been binging, which I doubt you've uh, experienced. It's on Hulu. Uh, we actually, we, we watched, we've been binging a bunch of older shows, and we, we binged L.A. Law, and then after we finished L.A. Law, we said, eh, you know, let's watch another legal drama. So we, we started to watch The Practice. Uh, which we enjoyed, um, you know, but that's not where I'm going to. But the final season of The Practice <laughs> introduced uh, William Shatner as the character Denny Crane and uh, what's his name? Uh, James Spader uh, as kind yeah. of like a rogue attorney. Uh, and then the, the series totally changed its focus in, in the final season. But then the next year, they started with the show Boston Legal. Which stars the two of them, and along with Candace Bergen and uh, Renee O'Benjois in it for a while, and actually, there's an appearance by Scott Bakula. There's an appearance by Jerry Ryan. You know, oh, really? You, you, you definitely have some some Star Trek cred in it. But William Shatner is incredible in it. He's brilliant. He's hilarious. He he doesn't mind making fun of himself and and putting himself in silly situations, and and he's just he there's a scene in there uh you know Candace Bergen is like his his one lost love or something so she's a partner in the firm and he's always trying to woo her and she's never you know she she considers him to be a close friend or whatever but not that way and it's a scene where he's upset about something so she goes to hug him to uh you know to console him, and then they cut to a close up of his face, and as they cut to a close up you see him sticking out his tongue to try and put it in a mouth and I just <laughs> almost fell on the floor laughing i'm telling you it's hilarious he he's so good in it. <laughs>
1: we' actually I remember he was getting all kinds of accolades and stuff for that show when, that that's not still airing right that's, that's no it's, it's been
0: it's been done for quite a while it uh I think it aired from uh, I'm giving you an approximation it had five seasons I would say maybe 2003 to 2008 something like that uh you know somewhere in that range uh we're in the fifth season now so we're almost wrapping it up but but i I, I found it very satisfying and very fun to watch he's he's just I think he's great in it. He's he, like I said, he's not afraid to make fun of himself. Uh, he, he he is very often in ridiculous positions. He's uh you know he's afraid that he has the beginning is of, of Alzheimer's, and he he calls it mad cow. Uh, <laughs> but but like when the show first started, it's just he's so arrogant about who he is that every time he gets up, he just feels like all he has to do is say his name and he wins. So he just gets up Denny Crane, <laughs> and he's, like, ready to sit down again. It, it, it's, I'm telling <laughs> you, I, I doubt I'm even doing it justice. its If you have Hulu, I would definitely recommend checking it out.
1: I might have to do that, because I, I love me some Shatner, and I, I, I've always said that I think he's very underestimated as an actor. Yeah, he, he
0: doesn't do the staccato line delivery he, it doesn't feel to me like he's ever overplaying the part but it is kind of a broad part so he's able to chew up the scenery a little bit but but I, I again I just think he, he's perfect in it
1: see I always loved him in uh, in Star Trek 3 because I, I think Star Trek 3 really was a, a good example of showing that the guy could act you know he wasn't just you know whatever you know he wasn't the stereotype that had built up around him at that point, you know by the time that movie had come along you know there were so many stereotypes and uh you know caricatures of, of you know him and especially you know his portrayal of Kirk and everything that had built up by that point, but you watch him in that movie and uh you know he's he's truly acting in that way well see, you know the, the
0: thing is i think I, I i've I've read his his uh memoirs and all uh but i can't remember it's been so long but if i remember right i think you know his his initial training was for live performances on the stage and whatever and and you could see where if you're doing it on stage in front of a couple hundred people or whatever you need to be a little bit more expressive and show you know physically what you're doing and everything more so than you have to on tv so i think his training has always lent himself to being physically you know emotive uh right i think that's what people just read as being hammy but i i don't read it so much as that and when he does go over the top i'm more quick to blame the director for letting him go over the top and not pulling him back in but right that's uh, of course we do, we do have the famous recording of him uh, arguing over how to pronounce uh, sabotage so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much he listens to directors he's, he's the one guy I believe, unless there's somebody who I haven't thought of yet he's the one guy on my bucket list that I say I would pay to do a photo op with I don't think there's
1: anybody else left I would I would like to meet him someday before he's gone. Speaking of which, have you have you seen? I mean, I, I don't have. I, I wish I had a list in front of me because I know there was somebody just again the other day. But man, creators and and folks, you know, to do with comics and. Carlos genre- Pacheco. What's Carlos, that?
0: Carlos Pacheco.
1: Yeah, he he just passed away. There, there was just another one right after him too that I saw. But yeah, they're it's just they're dropping like flies, and I can't believe it. I know that's just you know, I know that's age and how things work, but man, it sucks. Yeah, it like does. Kevin totally Conroy. Would. Kevin Conroy, one that, was, that oh. was tough. He wasn't even that old. 66, 65, 66, yeah. 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 I didn't see what the cause of death was, though. Was he Cancer. sick or something? Cancer. Oh,
0: okay. I think he. I think I it was. A, Think colon cancer, but I'm not sure. It's Jeez. or maybe a, no, not a, I don't think it was esophageal cancer because that would that would even be more of a tragedy just because he was so, you know, so known for his voice. Uh, right. Yeah, I saw him. I was doing a a rewatch, you know, kind of in the background. I wasn't watching that closely, but I was doing a rewatch of old Cheers episodes, and he actually played a uh, a guy who was uh, wooing Carla at one point he was in i think two or three episodes and it was strange to see him oh. on the screen and i i don't even think that i recognized him based upon his appearance i think uh, i just i think i saw his name in the credits
1: i don't know that i've ever seen him in anything you know a movie or, or a tv show or whatever i mean I was, you know, obviously, I knew what he looked like, you know, from interviews about Batman and everything, but I, I don't think I'd ever seen him in in a production or anything. That I, not that I could recall anyway. But uh, you know, there's all these memes you see all the time on Facebook and what about you know who's who's the real value Is it Michael Keaton? Is it Christian Bale or whatever? And it's like so seldom did I ever see Conroy mentioned in any of those. But I mean, I think he nailed it more than any of those guys are. I mean, I realize it's a different type of thing with, you know, live action versus animation, but, I mean, whenever I've read a, a, a you know, a Batman comic or anything with Batman in it, and, you know, in the past, you know, 30 years, you know, he's the, you know, it's his voice that I hear, you know? Right. Oh, so, yeah, no. so.
0: he he's definitely created the voice especially especially with the uh, people who've done live action ones getting such criticism for the way they do the voice right right it even makes yeah. him stand out even more
1: absolutely yeah the carlos pacheco one was was just kind of eerie because i had literally just finished rereading um What's the name of that hardcover? Uh, JLA, JSA, Virtue and Vice. Did you ever read that? No, I don't
0: think I ever had. I don't think I ever read that one.
1: It's a really good book. It falls right into uh, you know the era of, uh, of the Jeff Johns JSA. And everything. I think it, I think it is him on the writing. I forget. I've got it around here somewhere. But uh, yeah, it's really good. It was a, it was a one shot hardcover graphic novel. Uh, that started both the JLA <clears throat> pardon me, the JLA and the JSA together, it was called Virtue and Vice, and uh, he was the artist on that, and I think that may have been one of the first things of his I ever read or, you know, where, where I mean, you know, where he really, like, capt- kind of captured my attention, but, I mean just phenomenal, you know, really good looking art, and uh, yeah, it was like, I, I finished rereading that the other day, and I'm like I think it was like a day or two later was the announcement that he passed away. I was like, damn, you know? Mm. I'm not yeah. finding it in my...
0: I'm, I'm looking to see if I have...
1: Uh, oh, here it, is. it is. What year did it come out? Uh, I can tell you here in one second. As as oh, off, here it is, off.
0: 2002. Yeah,
1: David Gore. it was David Goyer and Jeff Johns on the writing, and then Pacheco and uh, Jesus Marino, Mer- Mer- I think was the guy's name. I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, it was really good. It had... Um, I'm trying to remember who the big bad was in that. Actually, I think it was a spoiler. If I say it, I think it's a spoiler who the big bad turned out to be, but it, it was good. I mean, it it pulls in a lot of, you know, a lot of characters, and just a lot of, I mean, it does that thing that JSA as a series did so well anyway, of just, you know, really showing you that these guys knew their DC history, you know, because they really, you know, have a lot of deep references and callbacks to things, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm flipping back through it now, and uh, I mean, just the art was fantastic in this, really, really good stuff, but yeah, I don't know what that book goes for now, but, uh, you know, if you get a chance to, to nab it on the cheap, I mean, it's well worth it. I, I bought it when it came out, and I want to say originally it was like, I think it was 25 bucks, something like that. I don't know what it prices for now, but, you yeah, know, well worth, well worth a, a look.
0: I'll keep Which my eyes open for held,
1: it. When I'm... Held up, it What's that?
0: I'm, I'll definitely keep my eyes open for it.
1: Yeah, it, it held up really good on the reread, and it's got a huge cast of characters in it too. Because you know, again, it's you know, it's both the JLA and the JSA. But uh, yeah, it was really well done. It was in that era where uh, where Luthor was president and everything, so he's you know he's trying to both manipulate and uh, kind of cozy up to the heroes at the same time. But right. A lot of good stuff with Captain Marvel in it too, which I liked a lot. Captain Marvel and, uh, and the Wizard Shazam actually play a pretty big part in the story, which I thought was pretty cool.
0: I will definitely put that on my to-read list. Hopefully, I will actually read it at some point. <laughs> have you been yeah, Have uh, you mean. been watching anything any comic of the comic-related things lately? Because I have a couple that I've seen. Uh, yeah, in addition to Werewolf to by of- Night, I saw Black Adam. Uh, which we did the review of that with the cgs guys i thought it was okay not as great as i would have hoped but uh you know i I did i I actually my favorite thing in the uh in the movie was pierce brosnan as dr fate i thought he kind of you know just just was awesome in that role uh but we went this week to see uh wakanda forever which uh how is that You know, I'm still a little on the fence about it. I'm not 100% sure what I think. Uh, It was good. I just don't know if it was very good or if it was okay. I'm not sure yet. I haven't really landed on it. I think I may have to watch it a second time. It's got uh, a lot more characterization and a lot more focus on, you know, making the characters a little bit three dimensional and not as much action as you'd expect in a Marvel movie uh they did change the submariner a little bit he's not quite what i anticipated and again i'm not sure if i'm good with that or if it bothers me i'm really not sure yet
1: Uh, that's what i was going to ask you too is
0: were you good with it or did it bother you it it didn't bother me yet you know they they effectively uh, i guess they didn't want to call them atlanteans uh, since DC already had, uh, the Aquaman movie with Atlanteans and, and I guess they didn't want to, you know, tread that same ground again. So they, they gave, you know, they changed the origin and, you know, they were, uh, surface dwellers and then something happened that they changed and he was actually in his mother's womb when that happened. So that's what mutated him. Uh, so. It's different and they're they're kind of played as uh they seem like they're almost ancestors of i would think Mexican heritage people, so he's kind of yeah, got an y- accent y- and, Aztecs, something like yeah that, yeah uh and, and you know or south American i you know I don't even know for sure where where they were saying they came from uh but I did think they got the the Like his attitude, his, his, uh, you know, his, his temper, all of those things. I think they hit it on the money, the, the anti-hero thing, the ready to go to war with the surface world. Uh, you know, and, and they also have him, you know, being a little bit manipulative. I don't want to give away too much on it. Uh, I may end up doing an Is It Yours at some point. Uh, and by the time I do that, I'll have to decide what I think of it. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I, I did, I liked the movie. I definitely liked the movie. It's just a question of how how high I go with it. I, I, it, it there's not any any review where I'm going to say I didn't like it. Right. But I may, you know, I may or may not eventually wish they had done the Submariner a little bit more true to the comics. The thing about that is, and I I, I don't know if you'll agree with me 100 percent on this or, or not, but you know, my first thought is. I don't mind if they change the character if they're not changing something that's essential to the character. Right? Uh, well, yeah. You know something. You know. Uh, you know what I what I went with. I, I always talk about the, the Fantastic Four movie, uh, the the most recent one, the one that got totally bombed. Uh, the fact that they made Johnny Storm black. What I said after right. that is, I said, you know. Johnny Storm could be black. I can deal with that. It doesn't change his character as long as it's a good actor, and it was, uh, I guess, Michael B. Jordan, who's a good actor. But they made Sue Storm be white, and they were adopted. So now you're changing the characters. They're a biological yeah, brother and yeah. sister. If you want to make him black? Make her black too. Make them brother and sister right, for yeah. real. That's yeah, that that's changes, where I had where right. that's where they changed the character, and I, and I didn't like it. Now all that said. Every time I see a comic character on TV or on the big screen or whatever, I usually want it to be right off the page of the comic. So I'm always going to have some little bit of, of reflex against it if they change it. So again, we'll go with the Johnny Storm example. I want him to be, you know, a blonde dude who's, you know, younger than his sister and younger than Reed and, 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 and Ben, uh, and, and effectively look like he did in the comics. That's what I want. Now you change him into the into the black guy. I'm okay with that. It's not what I want, but I can adjust. But once you change it into something different, you know, and and I'll I'll reverse that. You make Luke Cage white. That doesn't work for me. Luke Cage is is a, is a black dude from Harlem. It's 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 what his personality is. Uh, you know, it's what his upbringing is. It's it's you you all of a sudden make him into a, a white guy. It's not the same character that I grew up with. So, you know, you can can change the color of characters, but do it in a way where, or pick a character that it's not going to make a difference when you do it. I don't think that's controversial to say it that way. I hope it's not. I hope I'm not insulting (laughs) anyone.
1: But, yeah, I know it's it's one of those things where you got you gotta walk on eggshells with that conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I, I can deal with the changing of it, and and you know I mean I love old movies, and old movies were were famous for having you know guys who couldn't be more ca- Caucasian <laughs> than you know no matter what you did to them, and they have them playing a Native American or an Aztec or a you know a Japanese guy <laughs> or something, and and somehow you overlook it and you say oh, you know that's the way that was at that time, I. If you're gonna overlook it, you got, on one level you got to overlook it on the other, and so I have to be a little bit reasonable about it, and I try to be. Just don't change the character so much that it's not that character anymore.
1: Right? Yeah, that's that's the trick. And I don't know, because I, I, I'm, I, you know, generally I'm with you. You know, as long as they don't change them, you know, something fundamental about them, but. It sounds like now I, I really don't have anything to judge this. I have not seen the movie, so I have nothing to judge this on other than you know the stuff that's out there and the and the trailers and the promotional stuff. What you've just told me, but then also I, I did watch the uh, the critical drinker video that he just did, you know, reviewing the movie and everything. And I typically don't watch his stuff if it's a movie that I'm intending to watch that I haven't seen yet. But with this particular one, my level of give a shit was so low that I was like, I don't care if he spoils anything, you know. So I watched it and he was really down on it Hmm. Um, and seemed to have some salient points. But it's tough to judge, again, not having seen the movie myself, but his points seemed to be, you know, have some validity to them and everything. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. It is a movie I intend to watch, but you know, full disclosure, I, I'm not paying for that one. That's I'm going to wait till that one hits Disney Plus. You know, um, because of the movies leading up to Endgame, um, you know, everything pre-Endgame, um, Black Panther, and it's not really like a conscious decision. Um, but it's by default, it's gotta be my least favorite one because it's the one that I've rewatched the least. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure I have rewatched it beyond when it came out, and I think I watched it when I purchased it on Blu ray. And I think that's it. I, so I think I've only ever seen it twice, whereas every other MCU movie up to that point. I've seen several times, even ones that I wasn't really crazy about, like Ragnarok. I've still seen it probably a dozen times, you know. See, I would say my
0: least favorite, and it's not because I didn't like it. It's just because, like you say, it's the least rewatched, and it's the one that feels the least essential to me is Captain Marvel.
1: Really? I like Black Panther a lot, actually. I, it's not that I didn't like it because I, I remember really enjoying it. You know, when, it's one of those like when it's on, I'm enjoying it for the most part. But it, it's just I had some issues with it, and a lot of it honestly comes post the film. It's it's a lot of the baggage that the film brings with it mentally for me because. I didn't think it was a bad movie by any stretch, but they made it out like it was the second coming, you know? And it's like, Mm. come on, it's not, it's not the best MCU movie. And and a lot of it was just, I felt like it was, um, I'm not sure what the word is. You know, race baiting is not the right expression, but you know what I mean? A lot, it was like so played up because of a primarily black, you know, all black cast. And I thought, is that a reason to to lavish all this praise on it and everything just because of that factor that seems a bit i don't know uh, it seems a bit something to me i don't know what the well, what the term would be you know i i do, I do think opinion, there's is, a
0: little bit of a pandering aspect of it that it, you know there's almost the thing well it's it's got a, a black cast, so you can't not like it because otherwise if you don't like it you're a racist uh and i and that bothers correct. me but yeah, but yeah, me too. I did Very really much. like it, so it's okay. You know, All I don't right. mind. You know, I'm I'm not going to be so close-minded that I'm going to turn it down. You know, I would never turn something down because of that. Uh, on the other hand, I'm not going to like it just because of that either. Uh, you know, there was a lot of that I thought with the Wonder Woman movie that you know, it's if you if you don't like it, you're a misogynist. Uh, and I liked the first Wonder Woman movie a lot. I thought the second one was awful. You know, so they they go back and right. forth. But I, I, you know, I, I have, I didn't find myself liking Black Panther because it had a black cast. I found myself liking it because I thought it was a good movie. And if 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 I didn't think it was a good movie, then I wouldn't have, you know, the the cast wouldn't have made a difference. I I actually felt like Chadwick Boseman really did a good
1: job of portraying T'Challa. I liked him in that oh, role yeah, a great deal. He's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I, that's what ultimately, that's one of the biggest reasons why I, I'm going to just, I'm adopting a wait and see attitude. You know, wait till it comes to, to, you know, home video attitude for the sequel because I'm, I'm a little perplexed. Why and how can you exactly go forward with a project like that? Because um, I'm trying to think of another time where a, a franchise went forward with a sequel, missing one of the, the primary players that made the original popular, and it worked. And I'm blanking. At I'll, the time I'll give you one that, that worked
0: for us. You and I, I know it worked for you as well, uh, but it was not a big hit. Predator 2.
1: Yeah, but it's not like Arnold died, you know what I mean? Yeah. They they just went in a different direction and and the monster arguably you know that's that's the only through line, you know what I mean? So yes, it's a sequel, but it's more like it's another installment in I I'm not sure how to how to phrase it, but you know what I mean, it, it's it's not really a sequel to the original. You know what I mean? It's it's another example of the predators on the hunt, but not utilizing the same characters beyond the monster. I, I'm thinking more like like the Blues Brothers sequel. Oof, that's awful. Because I can remember when. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can remember when they announced that, and everybody and their brother going, "Wait, wait, wait! How the hell do you make a Blues Brothers sequel without John Belushi?" And I'm blanking on other examples, but I know that there's other examples out there where... Caddyshack 2? <laughs> yeah, Caddyshack 2, a perfect example, or Splash 2, or... Um, yeah, no, there, uh, there are definitely the... a
0: bunch of them out there where they've changed the cast in the sequel, and and it seriously yeah. suffered for it. In this instance, yeah. I don't think the movie suffered for it, necessarily. I think it was a good movie. Uh, you know, again, I'm going to... My my thoughts are still... kind con- coalescing but uh i thought it was you know definitely a decent movie i would have made the different uh business choice uh because i just don't think marvel the mcu right now is being very wise with throwing away a lot of its core characters because uh chadwick boseman passed away because robert downey jr is getting older because chris evans really didn't want to play captain america again uh i don't see where you just put those those characters on the shelf and say well, we could go on and be just as good without them because those those are some of your core characters uh i you know i could see saying well we're going to have to change how it's being portrayed uh and then you know eventually recast it maybe get by it for a little while before we recast it but it seems to me like they're saying no 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 once we put these characters on the shelf they're done and i i don't know that that's the right way to go and as much as i thought chadwick boseman was perfect in the role uh i i don't think i would have you know they totally acknowledged that his character is dead in the movie uh they have a funeral for right. him and everything uh spoilers uh but uh like i i don't think i would have done that i think i i would have been hesitant to do that because i want to be able to have the opening to recast it at some point as much as i thought he was great and as much as i don't want to be disrespectful to his passing
1: I, I completely agree with you. I think the best thing for them to have done was to, um, I was going to say you know to just let the character lie. You know, just just don't continue that particular portion of the of the MCU for the foreseeable future. Um, but I would even go so far as to not even do like. Uh, A reference to it, you know, like in a future, say, Avengers movie, for example, you know, not even have a mention of, oh, by the way, T'Challa's not here because he's off doing such-and-such. Just don't touch it at all. Just, you know, don't acknowledge it, it's not a part of the thing, and then make that decision five years from now, ten years from now, whatever, of, okay, has it been enough time where people aren't going to lose their shit if we suddenly decide to bring T'Challa back and have, you know, Joe Blow play him. And I I think that would have been a a better way to go rather than literally doing a sequel named for one character with one primary character and that one primary character is dead. You know, I, I just, I think that's a really weird decision i won't say bad i just think it's i think it's a really strange decision
0: well i don't want because... to spoil too much about what they do oh, in the sorry. movie but uh you know I, I i definitely see what you're saying and i probably would have i i from what i understand they had written this movie before they knew he was going to die or at least you right. know written the outline for it uh and they changed who does what and how it happens. And they acknowledged his passing. And I think they did a good job of acknowledging his passing. But from what I understand, the story did not change that dramatically as far as like the Submariners, uh, part in it and things like that. Uh, there's things about it that I could go into more detail, but I, I, I could see making this movie, but just instead of acknowledging his passing, uh make it that you know he's missing or something like that you know we don't know what happened to him you know there was the blip and then he was gone again you know i, I don't know and then have a, some sort of mystery tied into to where is the black panther and this way you leave yourself open to recast it at some point you could even have an argument between uh the characters where they talk about you know he's got to be dead you just should accept it and the other one's like no no i can't accept it you know something along those lines i think i would have gone with that and and seen if I you know leave leave the door open to recast it in a few years.
1: I I just remembered what my other example was of this. They did it three times in the same franchise. The Pink Panther. Oh when when <laughs> Peter Sellers passed away.
0: Yeah we had Ted they Moss. Yeah, they, we well, they did Martin. one
1: movie where it was nothing but archival footage, yeah. where where he was he, he he had disappeared. The same scenario you said, you know, he had disappeared. Cluzo is missing, so they make a whole movie without Cluzo in it, the main character, and then they do the next one with what was the dude's name? Ted was Moss. Yeah, Ted was. Actually, was a bad movie, but it's not a great movie by any stretch. He was a good know? actor
0: in, in the TV show Soap. Uh, and then I never really watched, but he was on that show, Blossom. He played her father, uh, Ted White. Well- right. And then they made the movies with Steve Martin, which were popular. I never saw any of them. There's also the one
1: in between. There was uh, Son of the Pink Panther with... Um, oh, yeah, Roberto Benigni. Which, yeah, which sucked. I never, you saw, never saw that, saw that one. Never saw it. Oh, it was awful. It was so oh. bad i mean really 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 bad not even uh, herbert Lom could save it for me because <laughs> i love him as dreyfus but yeah that that movie was just i i have to soft. say in that
0: particular franchise to me no movie compares to the pink panther strikes again that is by far the one that makes me laugh the most that's the that one where Lom goes crazy and he gets the uh, the ray the, yeah uh, so
1: the big laser, yeah. yeah. yeah that's I think that's by far too. the
0: funniest one. Yep. And and Peter Sellers is brilliant like that. in that one.
1: Like the, uh, I think it's Return is the one with Christopher Plummer. Yeah. There, oh, yeah. Those are my two favorites. I love those two. I've come to really appreciate uh, Shot in the Dark over the years, too, but that one's a little slower. That one's a little... They, they hadn't quite embraced the comedy yet with yeah, that one. That's Milky
0: Summer in there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, she turns out to be, uh, I can't remember what the character's name was, but his son, that's where his son comes from, is that she's his mother.
0: Huh. Okay, I didn't realize that.
1: So the son comes from Shot in the Dark, essentially. He was he was Clouseau's and whatever the, her, her character's name was, uh, son. I,
0: I haven't seen that movie in 30 years. But uh, I'm gonna. I'm uh, unfortunately I'm gonna have to call an end to our conversation, which I hate to do because we're a little, we're a little short. It's a short episode for everybody. But I have some personal uh, business I need to take care of, so I apologize to everybody that we couldn't go on longer. Because knowing Scott and myself, we probably could have had this conversation go for another four hours before we, <laughs> before we ran out of tangents to go on. Uh, but you know. We, you know, I hope everybody enjoyed the conversation they got. And thank you, everybody, for
1: listening. I love these kind of episodes. I really do. I would like to just... <laughs> sometimes it's fun to just shoot this shit. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll do another one soon if people like it.
1: Let me know if you like it. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at 2truefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the 2 True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.2truefreaks.com. 2 True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiMonzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the 2 com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Hey, everybody, what's up? Dr. Bill, in the house.